and welcome to AIJ Cast, a podcast featuring conversations and performances at the intersection of art, inspiration, and justice. I'm your host, Marthane Sanders. On this episode, part two of our conversation with the Reverend Chantilly Mers Pickett. Chantilly is a musician, an artist, and a circle keeper, and we spoke with her from her home in New Jersey. We pick up that conversation with Chantilly playing the song Simple Gospel. I want to know you, Lord, like I know a friend. I want to know you, Lord. I want to know you, Lord, like I know a friend. I want to know you, Lord. So I'm laying down all my religion. I'm laying down. I wanna know you, Lord. So I'm laying down all my religion. I'm laying down. I wanna know you.
One thing I hear you saying is talking about music as this conduit or this avenue to something bigger than yourself, right? Whether we might put the name God on it now, but it could have had any other names at that point in time. There's a moment in the song Purple Rain by Prince that when he goes from that F sharp minor to the E major chord, it just sends chills up my spine. It's a powerful moment and it's just the simplest thing in the world and it's just powerful. And then I'm also curious about the way you talk about, like, using evangelical language, I would have said I was a worshiper before I was a believer. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, so what language would you use now? Or is that still language that would be a... That's such a great question. An apt description. Instead of believer, I'd say... And even worship, too. Like, I, I, even when I'm leading worship, Mm quote-unquote, I'm also, like, trying to redefine Mm -hmm. (laughs) what I mean by worship. And I said this, I think, maybe a couple of weeks ago at Common Ground. Common Ground is the community in New York that you are yes. actively participating Thanks. in in leadership. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm one of the uh, the ministers there. Someone once told me, and to be honest, I don't think I ever checked this out. So I'm saying this almost <laughs> with like an asterisk that one of the most frequent words around worship in the Hebrew Bible is really the word to bow. Hmm. I grew up as also like as a child, my we were martial artists too. Well, that's a random story. But anyway, bowing was a sign of respect. Mm. It was a sign mm-hmm. of giving oneself over to the teachings of your your teacher. Hmm. And you bow before you get into the ring with someone to respect and dignify them. And then you also bow to your teammates and you bow- bowing is a sign of respect. And I felt like in worship, it was always about me bowing and being prostrate before mm-hmm. this larger and mysterious presence. But behind that was this sort of evangelical teaching that I was somehow not quite worthy of God's lesser love than and affection. Yeah. Yes. Or sometimes I'd pray, you know, make me less than so that decrease so that you might increase or something, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's always at this, like, I have to lower myself Mm -hmm. in order to like position God rightly in my life. Mm. And I said something at Common Ground, like, this has been my theology with worship, that it has always been a humble posture. And I said, and now I don't worship as if I'm not worthy, like... I actually, my worship has so shifted that it's about this sort of like honoring, but knowing that I'm worthy and that God sees worth in me Mm. and that I am in relationship and I am speaking and I am hopefully in some sort of flow with this divine presence that sees worth in me and not that I am unworthy of just a little shifts like that. You know, I love that. It's 
things that I am aware of more and more of this kind of reconnecting with that image of God identity, this sense of like, there is something in you that is sacred and is of God. And it's as a Presbyterian and that kind of Calvinist tradition of like, you know, you are uh, totally depraved, which I still kind of love anyway, but that's a whole different story. But this notion of like, oh no, I'm actually creating you to be fully yourself in order to participate in the world that I want to see. Mm-hmm. That's the message that I get from God. Yes. It's not that there's not room for transformation. There's always room for transformation and growth and change and conversion and whatever word we want to throw yeah. in. And it's about leaning into those things that God has gifted us to do. Yes. And I want to keep moving with this theme of wholeness yeah. or this fullness because Whereas the theology I was raised in was that I was, I'm so broken, I'm so fragmented, I need a loving and perfect God, right, to redeem me. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, no, I want to be fully who I am and there's wholeness within me. And as a worship leader, I mean, not to use this language in an odd kind of way, but I feel like I'm channeling or mm-hmm. I am animating mm-hmm. the wholeness that is present in the people gathered yeah and i think that there is christ is alive in the meeting place of people and i think sometimes when we orient the room so that i'm at the front or the preacher's at the front and everybody's just looking to the front they're looking for the way people to show them the way like i'm also a circle keeper where if we just orient the room different if we orient the chairs different if we orient people to gaze at themselves to gaze at one another that that is how we find our way mm. and that's how we'll find our ways if we can turn towards one another in the evangelical tradition we turn to your neighbor turn to your left or right you know but for me i'm imagining and hoping that we can find both collective power and collective witness when we can change the way we do it, change the way we worship, and that you're not looking at me to guide you. I'm just animating this collective communal space. It reminds me of a seminary learning that I had forgotten about until we're just having this conversation of the distinction between a priest and a shaman, that the priest is the arbiter of God in the midst. And you think about the way that the separation happens in the church architecture and everything like that. And the shaman's role instead is to be in the middle and to bring the holiness that is already there into being. So animating it. And it's a really interesting moment to see Christianity going through this embrace of that more kind of shamanistic approach in a way that recognizes what we say we've always believed of the the fact of giftedness of everyone, the body of Christ. We talk about the body of Christ and everybody having different gifts. And that has been kind of suppressed by a top-down model for so long that it's kind of interesting to see it rebirthing these days. And I'm interested to see how we do it in all the different ways that we structure gathering spaces. You know, now that we're virtual, someone said the other day, I'm actually going to kind of miss all of us being in these little rectangles. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I said, like, why would you miss being in these rectangles? We get to, like, be together and say together, like... And she said, because everyone occupied the same space. Everybody takes up the same amount of space. Yes. And we're in each other's homes simultaneously. Right. I'm also just also incredibly aware of the fact that like 
of my own identity as a cishet white dude growing up in America with, you know, every room I enter, I have most privilege of anyone there. And so there is a place in which I don't need to be told that you are good <laughs> and God is gifting you, that there is a healthy humility for folk who look and mm. inhabit that same kind of space because it says, yeah, you're not all that. Mm. So I hold those things in tension in an interesting way. Like I have never needed anybody telling me you are so good that everything you do is of God. I kind of already think that of myself already. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You bring up such a great point. Positionality matters, right? Privilege matters in the perspectives by which we speak certain things. And it's so true, right? That, it matters for me that I have exercised this theology yeah. that has reinforced my inferiority in society as a right. brown woman, first generation immigrant. Like, it's true. Yeah. And it's interesting because there's a part of white supremacy culture that I think how do white folks particularly like, like my partner and like yeah. my other half of my like how do they also say there is I am faced with all the privileges of growing up in this country and mm-hmm. the way wealth has been inherited in my history oh, yeah. and lineage and to not stay in that I'm just this deprived white person I really can't yeah I, you know like there's also a place too that I'm like no we can't stay in that space either that I'm just not a good white person and I just want to be a better white person. But I hear what you're saying. Like, that can't be the only message. Yeah. That whatever you do is good and it's good enough. But I also think, too, that there's a place of stuckness sometimes. Like, I don't know what to do because I don't know how to be a good white person given all my privilege either. And I don't want them to be stuck either. Yeah, and maybe it's also about, like, putting aside the masks of whiteness that we've learned to Mm. wear of... Things like mastery, Ooh. pretending like you know everything that you're doing, right? I'm really good at faking <laughs> it, right? And also really good at like when when you challenge me, like going, "Hell, you don't know what you're talking about," I, you know. So being more authentically myself is to admit, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm doing half the time, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Yeah. Right? Yep. Chantilly Mers Pickett on AIJCast. We'll be back with more of our conversation in just a moment. But first, a quick word. As always, I encourage you to take a gander at the AIJCast website, AIJCast.com. That's where you'll find links to our artists, including their news, information, and products. And if you are listening to this episode the day it drops, the Wild Goose Festival is going on as we speak in Hot Springs, North Carolina. And you can find out more information about the Wild Goose Festival, about our guest Chantilly Merz Pickett, and so much more. Just go to our website, AIJCast.com. And now, back to more of our conversation with Chantilly Merz Pickett. It's interesting because people are like, so what are you doing with Common Ground Church? And, you know, and I say one part of it is music and it'll always be a part of my, it's my love of music and hopefully we'll at some point build a band and I'd love to continue doing worship there. And then there's another part where I see myself as like a curator and a cultivator. So with the PCUSA 1001 New Worshiping Communities, I applied to be a resident. Um, Both Common Ground applied as a resident site. So it's a church plant. They're only about, gosh, we're not even two years old. Mm -hmm. And 
as a resident, I will be incubating some of my sort of like discerning and envisioning what another spiritual community could look like, mm. and I'll be incubating it at mm. Common Ground. Mm. So I get to work with uh, Reverend Chris Romine and this wonderful group of folks. We're all deconstructing our evangelicalism and trying to be a place that's generous and welcoming. Mm. So I started off as a, the worship person, worship pastor, worship director. And the pandemic hit, we moved all virtual. Um, prior to this, I was serving as a educator and facilitator through United Methodist Women, and I would do anti-oppression and faith and justice education work. Mm. And so, so much of what I, I see myself as, as a facilitator and as a worship leader and as a musician, is I help create spaces for encounter, encounter with self, um, encounters with those gathered, and hopefully an encounter with the sacred that's within us everywhere, God. And so I see myself as someone who cultivates or curates, animates spaces through different ways, different mm -hmm. if it's in circle or if it's facilitating um, a dialogue or anti-racism work or imagining what equity or access could look like. I always put art and poetry in all of that. And then the same with when I do music, I'm always facilitating, <laughs> right? It's like, <clears throat> I'm not just singing or performing or singing this song. I'm facilitating an experience. I am guiding people into hopefully an encounter and to make meaning out of this song. And so I see myself as sort of a space creator. This dovetails, I think, very well with your work with the Circle Way and your identity yeah. as a circle keeper. keeper. Yeah. And the way that that has also shaped the way that you understand faith, that you understand community. So tell us about the Circle Way. Tell us about being a circle keeper and all of that. Yeah, so I was first introduced to the Circle Way about maybe eight or nine years ago at a church retreat. The person that we asked to be our facilitator for that retreat has now become a mentor of mine. And we're, um, I was part of another church plant, actually, for about eight years. And I was a leader there, also the worship director there. And uh, we were a really excited, dynamic group of leaders, um, mostly people of color in Harlem. And we had a lot to say about a lot of things. And... I could not believe what happened in the space when the retreat facilitator put us in a circle, gave us a talking piece and said, we're going to move this talking piece around to this prompt. And there is no crosstalk. There is listening and witnessing happening very gently. So asked a check-in question, the talking piece started moving and something immediately shifted in the space. Hmm. And I felt for the first time we were actually really listening to one another. And I was actually speaking from a truer place than just what Chantilly thought and what I thought was the right thing to say at the right time. And so some of the practices, um, let's listen with curiosity and compassion, withholding judgment. Like, what does it mean to listen to someone else? Speak anything, speak their truth, speak how they're feeling and be curious around it. Instead of what we typically do is wait for the other person to pause so you can get your point in. Or I'm already thinking about how I'm gonna respond. Or I'm thinking about what I'm gonna be saying, yeah. right? But that's the first agreement. We're gonna listen here with curiosity and compassion, withholding judgment. The other one, it's like very simple. Like, and we're gonna use a guardian, so I'm gonna ring a bell, and then we're gonna pause at some points. We're just gonna pause and allow silence and allow things to sort of settle in. So we're going to agree that we're going to pause. 
Another agreement is to ask for what you need and offer what you can. If you need a little bit more time to think about something, if you need to pass, pass the talking piece, we'll come back to you. Offer what you can. Sometimes the question is posed and you're not quite ready. You're not wanting to offer that truth yet. You don't have to. So there's so much agency and power in it, but I, I felt it in my bones. It was very intuitive. Something happened for me in that first circle practice that I said I had to understand what was going on here. And the retreat facilitator said, come along with me. I'll bring you to some of these trainings. I'm part of a global group of practitioners. He's a steward in it called Art of Hosting. I said, Art of what? And he's like, Art of Hosting. He goes, many of us have been trained as facilitators. We often have an outcome or a goal in mind. Art of Hosting works with emergence. And then he whispered to me, he goes, that's the other way of what we call spirit. I was like, okay. (laughs) And I was like, how does Art of Hosting talk about emergence? And he says, well, we walk the chaotic path. And the chaotic path is the intersection space between chaos and order. He goes, you just need a little bit of a structure and a little bit of chaos in order for emergence to happen. This, he's like, that's where creativity, innovation, new ideas to complexity occur. He goes, you need groups to have just enough structure and just enough unknown so that they can mix in chaos and order to emerge something new. And I said, oh my gosh. I go, that's how I feel when I watch, I don't play jazz, but I watch jazz musicians. There's just enough structure and improvisation to create something really beautiful that they'll never ever create the same again. And so with those sort of frameworks, it was like, so we have methodologies that support just enough structure and enough chaos. And we find that people meet in this magic in the middle, we call it, the magic of the middle. And that's where emergence happens. And I felt it in circle. And then there's many methodologies. So these stewards from across the globe started talking to each other and they started saying, are you noticing that participatory conversations are getting us to lean into solving complex things of the world Mm. because we keep looking to the one leader to solve all of these problems and have the answers. But in fact, perhaps we have the answers and we just haven't been in enough chaotic spaces for those answers to emerge. Wow. That began the journey of me and not facilitating, but we say hosting. Yeah, and that word, <laughs> I mean, it, the word hosting is just really hitting home for me right now on a couple of levels. One is this new company I've created, mm-hmm. Mudif Productions. Mudif is the Arabic word for host, and that really is about providing a way for people, whether it's through podcast production or other things, to host people into this new reality that we're living in. And then also that very biblical theological ecclesial notion of jesus as host host. and how that changes the dynamic of the space if we see jesus as the host and not the priest yeah right or even the shaman for that matter yeah and so hosting is like this and why i love that we say it's the art of hosting because it really is art for me it's when i'm hosting and it's both the intuition that I feel in my gut, right? And it's also opening up the heart space and my my brain is also activated. Like I think it's like these different centers of intelligence Mm. 
that when we activate them and we animate them, it's like, to me, that's presence. That's wisdom comes. Wisdom emerges. And so in Art of Hosting, we say it's, we are doing the work so that our collective intelligence can lead us to wise action. Like it's not just so that something new happens. It's really to put in pursuit of wiser, more sustainable action. Mm. I've been in Art of Hosting and circle spaces that how it's changed my ecclesiology or changed my sort of view of church is that with strangers, you know, we've had a prompt, a very simple prompt, like tell us a time when you were courageous or tell us a time when you knew you had to change course. And the talking piece goes around and I feel in my gut and in my heart and in my mind that people here are not just telling stories and you know something shifts in the space when I feel to use my language of church it's like I used to say I'm having church and now I'm saying I hear the proclamation of good news mm. I hear hope you know I'm feeling empowered and inspired right because people have deposited bits and pieces of their lives and their stories into the center, as we say in circle, mm. and it meets in the middle. And we leave feeling more human, more in touch with ourselves and this mysterious presence. Mm. I used to say it out of circle, oh my gosh, why can't church, like, why isn't church like this, right? Why? And now I'm going, no, it's because I have centered the proclamation of the word, yeah. the proclamation of good news to the one person who is trained and tasked with that job. Right. What would it look like if the people proclaimed that good news? Yeah. And what if what they deposit at the center became sort of our meaning making of, of what's the good news for us now? Yeah. Wow. And I think that's what I hope to explore at Common Ground and explore in my incubating a bit of sort of this vision of like returning to earth and returning to other ways of knowing truth and other mm. ways of knowing and embodying wisdom. Mm. And wisdom is like, I don't know how to describe wisdom, but it's more than knowledge or different to knowledge. It's different to data. It's like what happens when we make meaning. Yeah. And it's aligned with deeper truths that I know um, about God and about myself and about the world. So, It's the reconstructing that comes after the deconstructing, right? It's how do we create the space or shape the space differently. And it has to do with architecture. It has to do with musicality. It has to mm. do with the shape of worship and liturgy. Yes. And all of that has to be rethought with intention and with the wisdom of the community, right? Yes. Because I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure you and I could come up with a pretty cool design of a church space and a liturgy <laughs> and a musicality that we would think would do that. Yes. But if it's just you and me doing it, we're still the gatekeepers, right? Yes. And so this is something that we're experimenting with a little bit at Common Ground is if we want to decenter the professional gatekeepers, right? Like, because there's only, I mean, there's just two people on staff right now. Yeah, right. If we want to decenter a little bit of that, then what does it look like? And in circle ways of being, so circle we say is the, one of the most ancient forms of human organization. Hmm. Our ancestors, probably in tribes, gathered in circles, made decisions together, gathered around fires, cooked around them, is that for circles, organize, human organizations to work, everyone needs the same information and they need 
to have the same amount of power or it could be very like there's a chiefs and the sure. those, but they need to know the kind of power they can to take action. And so we're trying to figure that out right now in Common Ground is like, how do we make every decision and everything transparent enough that people can check in and know where something is? And given the power that they have and the capacity they have, they can make decisions together with or without us. Right. So we're experimenting and trying to figure that out mm. um, right now. But I, I think it's possible. I just don't, I, I don't know. I, I'm just like, I think it's possible. And I'm reading some things too. What are you reading? Okay, a big one is called Reinventing Organizations. I was not ever someone that was like, I want to go into organizational management or... <laughs> <laughs> you know, the call to ministry is all about going into organizational management. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? It's more true than we think it is, right? But nobody goes into church ministry to do it. No. Exactly. No, I left seminary with systematic theology, Bible, one pastoral care class. And it was like, okay. I was like, no, I needed nonprofit management. (laughs) But you wouldn't have taken that. No. I wouldn't have taken budgeting. (laughs) I wouldn't have taken any of that. Accounting? No. I mean, it's the stuff I needed, but it wasn't the stuff I would have taken. (laughs) Yeah. True. Chantelle, if you had a charge if we're going to use some churchy words, maybe some evangelical words, or a piece of advice, um, wisdom that you go to again and again, or something that our conversation has sparked, what would it be? I think my charge would be, may you go into the world enchanted by the mystery of our interconnectedness, and the wisdom that comes when we're together again. Chantilly Mers Pickett, thanks for being on AIJ Cast. My pleasure. Chantilly Mers Pickett on AIJ Cast. You can find out more about the Common Ground in New York at cgnyc.church. On our next episode, Cody Norred from Georgia Interfaith Power and Light. AIJ Cast is made possible through the support of listeners like you. We can only do this work because of your support. So please do take just a moment and go to our website, AIJCast.com, and click on the link that says support. And we do love to interact with you on social media. We are there on a multitude of platforms where our handle is AIJCast. Our theme music comes from our house band, Marred Fame. And we are engineered, mixed, and produced by the always charming Al Mudif, who is fairly confident that he got some kind of degree in engineering someone once told me and to be honest i don't think i ever checked this out and i'm your host martha sanders encouraging you to create some beauty of your own and remember that the world isn't truly beautiful until it's beautiful for all until next time i leave you with justice and peace